It's the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Let's do this. How far is it? Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. We'll be recapping the entire 2017 NFL Draft for the Kansas City Chiefs and also touch on some other newsworthy events that took place with the NFL Draft. And a general manager got fired after the NFL Draft and Maybe the Chiefs had something to do with it. Maybe the Chiefs caused this to happen. I'll talk about why later on in the podcast. But a quick reminder, as always, for those of you who've listened to the podcast before, likely you've already done this. If you're new to the podcast, first of all, welcome. We want to let you guys know, you guys can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You guys can also listen to various different outlets, including on my website, farzinvesugian.com. And I've I've also been told by a lot of you guys, this podcast is available on Google Play, so if you prefer to listen from there, that's another place where you can get this podcast as well. You guys can interact with me on social media. Give my Facebook page a like at, or pardon me, uh, facebook.com slash Farzin You can follow me at Farzin21 on Twitter. We had the Facebook Live on Thursday shortly after the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes, and a lot of you guys came out and we had a really nice discussion on Facebook Live. It's still up there archived if you guys want to check it out. Appreciate all of you guys doing that. Like I mentioned last podcast, we've done that twice and I've been pleasantly surprised both times we've done it. So, uh, definitely want to do it more but definitely I I want to have a reason to do it. Uh, So, likely, I'm thinking of doing this on game days. Uh, Certainly after games, maybe before. I'm not too privy to that. Uh, especially early in the mornings, uh, but uh, definitely after games. I think that would be a fun time to go on Facebook Live. So uh, we've got it done a couple of times, and I know fans definitely want to have things to say after games, after big events occur. So we'll definitely try to do that more and more. And if you guys want to be a part of that, again, go to the Facebook page. Give it a like, Farzine, uh, or facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. All right, a lot to talk about. I'm not going to talk about Patrick Mahomes too much because we did that in the last podcast. It was a special edition, just recapping the first-round pick for the Chiefs in which they got Mahomes. A lot of you guys uh, end up downloading that and gave your thoughts to some of my commentary. And I guess I was oblivious to, to the fact that if the Chiefs were to get a quarterback, that the quarterback would end up sitting out for a likely a year some are saying maybe even two years and uh, of course that quarterback ended up being Patrick Mahomes let me just say this if and I understand I mean if the Chiefs trade up 17 spots to get a wide receiver it's not that hard to get a wide receiver or a linebacker or a quarterback on the field but to trade up 17 picks for a quarterback I mean that's a that, that position is a big deal and you gave up next year's first-round pick as well. I'm just... To, to me, I, I just don't know... What, what, what's beneficial, essentially, in trading up 17 picks to let a guy sit back. As I mentioned last podcast, the only way you'll truly learn is if you're out there on the field. You've got to go out there, make your mistakes, and learn from them. Yeah, sure, you can still learn from watching, too, but the real learning curve comes from being on the field and look I'm not talking about training camp or preseason games and a lot of players go through that and Patrick Mahomes odds are he's going to be going up against guys who are either number one let's be honest if he's going up against the number ones they're not putting full effort because they don't want to get injured before the regular season kicks off I mean it's not a real game 
And if, if he does play with the second stringers, where yes, those guys are putting a lot of effort because they're fighting to, to secure their jobs, he's playing against guys who are likely going to be backups. So, to me, this is, uh, and those reps are still nice, don't get me wrong, but uh, I just want to see him get his feet wet and not just do it like late in the game during a blowout, do it when there's significance. And I think the only way that's that's likely going to happen is if Alex Smith gets injured or plays absolutely awful. So, and look, I'm not I'm not rooting for either one of those two. Uh, certainly, you want to see your team succeed with the product that they have out there on the field with the 22 men uh, on offense, defense, and of, of course on special teams too. But I, I just can't sit the, sit here and accept the logic of trading up 17 picks to take a quarterback. So I don't know. Maybe the Chiefs were really high on Patrick Mahomes to the fact where they didn't even feel like there's a quarterback next year, even though a lot could happen this year in college football. They maybe felt like this was the right guy. And a lot of people are criticizing Andy Reid and the Chiefs for not taking Deshaun Watson because Watson is perfectly designed for Kansas City's eye. I mean, it's a match made in heaven, essentially. It's a perfect marriage. Deshaun Watson and Andy Reid's offense together. But obviously the Chiefs saw it a different way. And I always want to say, this is, I think, a very interesting aspect. When you look at mock drafts and what the experts say, uh, I think a lot of times as fans and, and in the media, we maybe have... One point of view, like uh, for, for, for example, a lot of people are shocked the Chiefs did not address the inside linebacker position very early. Maybe the Chiefs are optimistic with who they have at inside linebacker right now, beside Derek Johnson. DJ Alexander, Ramick Wilson, maybe the Chiefs are pretty confident with those three guys as the, as the main linebacker, inside linebackers, going into 2017, and we, and we thought otherwise. So I think a lot of times what... Fans think and what experts think with their mock drafts are totally different than what NFL teams have in mind. So that's another thing to consider because a lot of fans were frustrated as the draft went on. When it came to the fourth round, Chiefs fans pretty much gave up on the linebacker position. The Chiefs did get a linebacker, which we'll get to. But at that point, you know realistically their chances, whoever gets drafted late, their chances of starting, uh, not too great. Yeah, sure, they're the Zach Fultons of the world who are able to start pretty much the entire season, the Dak Prescotts. But, uh, I mean, those happen, what, maybe maybe a couple of them each year? And some of them, like Zach Fulton, he's not nationally well-known. Uh, so for him to be a late-round draft pick, a third-day pick, and play the entire uh rookie season for himself to start all 16 games that was not noted a whole lot by the media because it's an offensive lineman it's a position that doesn't get talked about as much so there are some people some players out there who are day three draft picks but they still end up starting almost or if not all 16 games so we'll see that's the only thing you can really say about that and of course we'll touch on uh, the linebacker position later on as the Chiefs did grab one from Georgia Southern uh, like I said I'm not going to touch too much on Patrick Mahomes anymore because we did an entire podcast on that but instead I'm going to touch on the other five picks the Chiefs had 10 draft picks going into this weekend and turned that into six they did end up trading uh, James Shaughnessy to the New England Patriots swapping some picks and that eventually included running back Kareem Hunt from Toledo and I'll get to his name shortly I'll, I'll go in order with these starting with the second round pick from Villanova 
Tano Passigno. And by the way, uh, Good luck to you know, the PA announcer, Dale Carter, and Mitch Holtus, and anyone that has to say these names on a consistent basis because the Chiefs definitely got some tongue twisters from this draft class. But uh, Passanio is a player that a lot of people are very excited about and could be similar to a second-round pick from last year, Chris Jones, in which the Chiefs picked up. I, I could see Passanio being a guy who maybe proves a lot of people wrong and proves that he should have been a first-round pick. This guy is absolutely huge, 6'7", 289 pounds, only a 4% body fat. That's impressive. This is a guy who's huge and is going to give offensive linemen a lot of trouble in the NFL. Suffered a torn MCL his sophomore season, which forced him to miss eight games. However, bounced back strong in his last year. He garnered first-team AP FCS All-American honors, ranked sixth in the FCS with 21.5 tackles for a loss, and tied fifth with 11 sacks. So this is a guy who, obviously the statistics are there, they're very good, came from Villanova, a, a respectable program, D1 program, So and of course his size, I mean this is a guy that offensive tackle, like I said, they're going to have a lot of problems trying to defend him. It's going to take some time for him to get acclimated like any rookie player coming into any sport really, uh, but I think Passanio is a guy who can definitely pick up the game real fast and go out there and Pull a Chris Jones, go out there and make a big impact. And keep in mind, he's playing with a really strong front seven. Obviously, likely to be replacing Jay Howard, but I mean, you've got guys like Justin Houston with you, uh, Tom Bahali, D. Ford, Alan Bailey, and of course, I mentioned Chris Jones. Uh, this is a stacked front seven. Uh, a lot of great edge defenders on this defense, and Passanio is going to be adding to that. So. Pretty good pickup. I like what the Chiefs did. I, again, I know a lot of people wanted an inside linebacker, but I think when you look at someone like this in, in a in a defense, the Chiefs 3-4 defense, plus considering who you have as your outside linebackers, I think you've got to make sure you have a lot of muscle and a stout defensive lineman to be able to continue to do what you've done really since Justin Houston became a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs decided to go back to the offensive side of the football with the third-round pick. They got Kareem Hunt from Toledo, came real close to rushing for 5,000 yards in the four years he was at Toledo. That includes a rough 2015 where he was suspended two games for violating team rules, yet he still racked up 973 yards and 12 touchdowns, had 44 career rushing touchdowns and one touchdown in the passing game, was pretty inactive in the passing game until his senior year where he caught 41 passes for 403 yards. And again, I mean, you look at the 403 yards his senior season, uh, receiving yards. He had 555 career receiving yards uh, in Toledo overall. So uh, definitely was not very active in the passing game until his, uh, his final season, which kind of intrigues me because you saw Jamal Charles become a bigger player in the passing game when Andy Reid came in and developed him into a better running back. And I can kind of see Kareem Hunt being... Following Jamal Charles, not necessarily success-wise, maybe he does, which would be great, but more to the fact where, yeah, he was more of a rusher and not a pass catcher, and Andy Reid is going to try to turn Kareem Hunt into more of a pass-catching running back. Of course, he did that with LaShawn McCoy and Brian Westbrook in Philadelphia, did it with Jamal Charles here in Kansas City, and Kareem Hunt could be the next guy that Andy Reid works with and turns him into another great running back that he has worked with in his NFL career. Next up is wide receiver from Michigan, J.U. Chasson. 
And before I get into them, worth noting, Michigan had 11 players selected in this draft, the most by a college program for the 2017 NFL Draft. And a lot of it, of course, uh, got to give props to Jim Harbaugh, one of the greatest football minds. We've seen him take the 49ers to a Super Bowl, did it with a backup quarterback and Colin Kaepernick. And, of course, we're a little familiar with that because Alex Smith was involved in that situation. But uh, a lot of credit goes to Harbaugh and the job that he does with Michigan, a very successful football program. Chasson, it depends what – if you're excited for this guy – or if you're down on him, it kind of depends on what year you look at what he did. His junior year, fantastic season for him. Had 50 catches. That's the most he's ever had in a single season. His senior year, he had 500 yards. That's the most he had in a season. The most touchdowns he had was his junior year with nine. Also ran the ball a little bit. Uh... Speed is his biggest strength, which to me is no surprise. Just about every wide receiver on this Chiefs roster has great speed, and that's something that you need in Andy Reid's style of offense, the West Coast offense. So that can definitely go a long way for Kansas City. Great leaping ability. If he plays the way he did his junior year, this is a great pickup for the Chiefs. They got a steal in the fourth round. But if he plays like he did his senior year, then Chasson is essentially proving why he was a third-day draft pick instead of maybe a second-day or possibly a first-round pick. Now, the scouting report on him says that he may struggle seeing snaps, especially if he does play like he did his senior season. So, again, I mean, it's... It's pretty much open and out there. If he plays like he did his junior year, again, great pickup. He's going to have a, a fairly good career in the NFL, maybe even better as time goes on. If he plays like he did his senior year, then this guy's going to have a short-lived career in the NFL. I think he's going to be in his junior year form. I really do. And a big reason why, you've got Andy Reid as your head coach. And Andy Reid's done a fantastic job of developing players. Like I mentioned with Jamal Charles and what I think can be done with Kareem Hunt. The thing, Let me say this. The thing about these draft picks that we see. Yeah, sure. Maybe there's a team that gets a lot of great, talented college football players, guys who had successful careers, but they could be getting drafted by guys, by head coaches that just aren't good at developing football players. And that could be a major impact that derails some of these guys' careers. And they just don't end up living the NFL career that they want to live. Whereas guys like passing yo hunt Chasson, and a couple of others will get to, yeah, sure, so some of them may be late-round draft picks, but they are playing for Andy Reid. And I think, if anything about Andy Reid that you can really value is his ability to get players to progress and improve and become better. The way that he goes out there and develops these football players, and, well, I guess I'll just put it this way. Look at Mike Vick when he went over to Atlanta after spending time behind bars you know, he he had some moments in Atlanta. He had some flashy moments, but he was at his best under Andy Reid. Jamal Charles was at his best, and he Jamal Charles has had some great seasons, but he was at his best under Andy Reid. Alex Smith was at his best under Andy Reid. So there are a lot of, I mean, you can say this about a lot of his Philadelphia players too. I know Vic was the only one I mentioned, but Andy Reid's got a track record of getting players to reach their maximum potential. And that is what you need to do 
when you are playing a sport, especially in the NFL, you want players to reach the the absolute ceiling as high as they can go. And we we've seen Andy Reid be able to do that with a lot of Chiefs players. Uh, the Chiefs had nearly the same roster that Romeo Cornell and the Chiefs had in 2012. And Tom Holly did say this in 2013 when the Chiefs got off that to that really great 9-0 start. He said it's coaching. That's that's the biggest difference in our season. And there's evidence of that. All they did was change the quarterback, a couple of offensive and defensive players. That's it. It's a coaching staff that can really make an impact. So, again, there might be great players that get drafted to another team. But if they're not around the right guidance, they're not going to have great careers. So that's a big bonus for these guys who are being drafted by Andy Reid. Yeah, sure, uh, no one wants to be drafted late. It can be a little discouraging, but uh, there's always that glimmer of hope that you can develop because you've got a great head coach, a guy who knows how to develop players in, uh, like Andy Reid. Last two picks, moving on from Georgia Southern, Ikime Ilegwe. I had to double-check the pronunciation on that one. And again, a lot of great pronunciations uh, for the Chiefs, the pronunciation person for the Chiefs, possibly an intern, definitely got his money's worth this weekend during the NFL draft. But Iligwe did play his first two years at Florida State, didn't play a whole lot there, transferred to Georgia Southern where he had to sit out a year, only played one year at Georgia Southern where he was actually a great player despite playing for them for just a season. Recorded seven and a half tackles for a loss, two and a half sacks plus a pick, three pass deflections, and a fumble recovery to go along with his two forced fumbles, but most importantly, led Georgia Southern in tackles with 104. Again, despite just playing there for one season, certainly a valuable player for the program, and uh, it's obvious, it goes without saying, they wish that they could have have had him for four full seasons. Uh, With the impact he made, maybe he could have had more than 104 tackles in his senior season if he was with Georgia Southern for all four years, but ended up doing what he did and it was good enough to at least get drafted in the NFL which in his situation that's all you could ask for so uh, this is a guy who played outside linebacker in Georgia Southern's system likely to be an inside linebacker for the Chiefs one of the backups at least to start off but uh, again what I said earlier when I got done evaluating Chasson is this is a guy who could probably develop his way into a starting role at some point in his career maybe it happens this season maybe in three years who knows but someone who definitely made an impact at Georgia Southern uh, could come in. And, and a lot of times, these guys that get drafted late, you, you, you see guys from big schools too, but uh, guys who have major success at smaller programs that you've never heard of in, in these smaller conferences, they generally end up going fairly late because of the level of competition. So that's the only thing Iligwe needs to prove is that he can still be as successful when he goes against top-notch competition, which we'll see if he gets that opportunity to start at some point in his NFL career or, or, or the season. Final pick from the Chiefs, the sixth-round pick. And again, the Chiefs turned 10 picks into six. Uh, safety, Leon McCoy, McQuay, the third from USC. Uh, pretty basic for him. Has the speed to play the safety position. His field awareness and missed uh, slash broken tackles they're a pretty big concern, and that is why he's drafted very late. A lot of people actually thought that he would have been drafted in the seventh round or have gone undrafted, uh, but it ended up going in the sixth round. So good enough in Andy Reid's eyes, as well as the rest of the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs brass, 
this is a guy who, you know, he, he, he it's, it's an uphill battle for him being the, the final pick for the team this season. So uh, there's no secret in that, but uh, you've got the, there are a lot, a lot of strengths in him. His awareness is a major impact. I mean, when you're a defensive back, especially if you're if you want to have a long career in the NFL, your awareness has to be top notch. I'd say that's the most important factor for a defensive back. Now, I know a lot of guys listening want me to hand out a grade. Uh, and listen, I know fans love predictions, power rankings, grades, uh, especially for 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 a draft class. I don't like to grade draft picks. I really don't. Uh, a lot of times with their highlight reels, 99% of the time, you you just see positive highlight reels. You, you're, they're never going to show Patrick Mahomes throwing interceptions. They're not going to throw or show passing yo uh, getting, a pan, getting pancake blocked by an offensive tackle. They're not going to show Kareem Hunt getting tackled five yards behind the line of scrimmage and losing the football. I mean, they're not going to show those kinds of plays on these reels. So, and there are weaknesses out there. They're listed even with the top picks in every draft and every sport. There, There's a weakness in every player. So, again, it goes back to who do you have guiding you and can that help you have a good career in the NFL? And with Andy Reid, I, I think... Uh, I'm not going to put a grade on on this draft class because I'm not big on draft class grades. Uh, we we've seen late round picks, a couple of them become Pro Bowlers, some and some early picks just become flat out busts. But I will say this: if I can give any optimism, if you want a reason to believe why this is an A grade class, draft class, it's because of Andy Reid. Yeah, sure, he could have drafted really bad football players. From college, I mean, guys who just didn't do very well in college football. If they're playing under Andy Reid, they're going to improve at the very at the very least. You're not going to see Andy Reid get someone and struggle trying to develop them. And if a player struggles with development, Andy Reid will just simply let him go. And he's done that here in Kansas City. I mean, there have been a couple of players. I think Kyle Williams was the most notable one because he was a, a, a solid return specialist for the 49ers. And a lot of people were excited when he came to Kansas City, but he was just never able to be as good as he was in San Francisco. And I know in the NFC title game, uh, one of the NFC title games the 49ers were a part of against the Giants, uh, he, he cost the team a, a win in that game, but... Uh, for the most part, he's been good in his 49ers career, but struggled with the Chiefs. So if there is a player that is just unable to show progress, yeah, Andy Reid's not going to waste any time and, and let him go because you're in the business of winning. Andy, The thing about Andy Reid is he's done every single thing in the NFL except for win a Super Bowl, and he wants to do that. And hopefully here in Kansas City, that'd be huge. So there you have it. If you want a reason to believe it's an A-grade class, there's one reason why. When you have the right coaching staff around you, there are reasons to believe why this could be a successful draft class moving forward. As far as guys who I think are going to play a lot soon, I think Passanio is definitely a high candidate was because Jay Howard was let go and Kareem Hunt is the other guy who I could see, maybe not necessarily in week one, he might get a touch or two, uh, maybe a snap or two, who knows, 
But I could see Kareem Hunt at about four or five weeks after the season getting more and more touches on offense. And the only way Patrick Mahomes would likely ever get a shot is if it's a blowout or if Alex Smith goes down with an injury or if Smith is just playing flat-out awful. And uh, I know Smith wasn't great last year. His numbers certainly show that. 15 touchdowns, 8 picks, definitely not numbers that led to the Chiefs winning an AFC West title. But uh, hopefully he can bounce back this year. I know the concussion definitely hurt him when he came back. It did not just look like the same Alex Smith that we have we had known uh, since he came to Kansas City. So maybe this could be a bounce-back year for Alex Smith. So there you have it. That is my recap of the Chiefs 2017 draft class. As always, let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine or send me a tweet at Farzine21. And I also forgot to mention this at the beginning of the podcast. You guys can also email me, Farzine at Farzine Time to wrap up the show. Let's start by going around the NFL. Alright, the Chicago Bears definitely made a negative impact and people weren't quite sure what their game plan was in this draft class. They of course did sign Mike Glennon to a contra- a long-term contract earlier this offseason. They also signed Mark Sanchez who, you know, it's likely he's not going to last long on the team because they gave up so much being just one pick away with San Francisco, they had the number three overall pick. They gave up so much to move up one spot to get Mitch Trubisky. And I talked on this a little bit last podcast because, you know, he, he was the first quarterback taken. The Chiefs got the second quarterback in the draft. This is, to me, pretty puzzling. Uh, no one really understands the logic. And Jason Lockenfora wrote an article saying that NFL ex- one NFL executive said, we don't know what the hell they were doing, and that's all people are talking about. And apparently, it, the, it, the relationship between Pace and Fox, really bad. Fox is fuming about being left in the dark with the trade for Trubisky, and apparently Trubisky was not even informed before the pick. He found out the same time we found out when Roger Goodell made the draft pick. So uh, it, it's kind of puzzling to see what exactly the game plan was for Chicago and that's one thing where we can only just wait and see what they do with that quarterback convention they have now speaking of teams with a rough weekend because of the draft the Bills fired their general manager Doug Whaley after the draft pretty shocking timing essentially you just wasted a draft class with this GM you could have hired someone before in January or February and tried to get things going with a new GM, but instead now you're a year and a half behind. So uh, this puts the Bills way behind the eight ball. I mean, this is not a good way to really run an organization, but they felt the need to do it after the draft, and they're actually targeting Chiefs executive Brett Veek, who is a potential candidate to be the new Bills GM. And for those who may not know, he is the co-player, uh, co-director of player personnel, so works cl- closely with Andy Reid and John Dorsey, and trying to get some of the right guys to come to Kansas City in the draft. Uh, people don't realize there are a lot of players, or pardon me, a, a lot of people involved in trying to bring in players, uh, whether it's free agency, through the draft, and guys that we don't know a lot about, and we don't know exactly what their what, what hand they had in trying to help the team. But either way, could the Chiefs have been a reason for this? Because people are talking about how Whaley 
was kind of originating the trade with the Chiefs. And people were shocked that the Bills traded with the Chiefs because a lot of people thought that maybe the Bills were going to go after a quarterback in the draft. Sure enough, they trade with a team that weren't necessarily in desperate position in need of a quarterback like the Chiefs. So uh, people kind of wonder, I mean, what is going on with Buffalo? If you were to ask me who had a worse weekend, Chicago or Buffalo, man, it's really close. At least Chicago's sticking to their game plan. Buffalo just gave up right after the draft. Not even giving it a shot. That's how bad it is. Time to go out of bounds. I understand the Kansas City Royals are a team that everybody fell in love with uh, when they made that crazy postseason run in 2014 when it went from last place in the American League to getting a wild card spot and ended up going to the World Series. But gosh, uh, things change pretty quickly. They really do. And this has just been a bad year. Last year, even with the injuries that they were dealing with and with some issues with the bullpen, they still finished 81 and 81 and actually looked fairly decent on the on, on, on the diamond. But this year, when you got everyone back healthy, ready to go, no, no major injuries, the team is just not able to do a lot. I mean, their offense is not hitting much. And when they do hit... That's when the defense collapsed. The pitching was phenomenal for a couple of weeks, and now the pitching's kind of become a, a, a liability. So, it, it, listen, it's been pretty hard, and fans are kind of coming off the bandwagon. You're not seeing a lot of fans out at the K a whole lot. And look, I, I know it's early, but you can't sugarcoat this bad start. You, you, people always like to use the excuse of how early a season is, but you don't play an entire month of baseball to win just seven games. The Royals won seven games in April. I mean, that's how bad it was. Going into the month of May, as we flip the calendar, the Royals are riding a nine-game losing streak. Uh, they have they got swept during their entire road trip, and now coming back home trying to rebound from that, uh, swept by the Twins in a two-game series Saturday. They didn't play due to rain, but gosh, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough watching... This team fall apart the way they are. And with some of the players, Hosmer, Moustakis, Kane, their contracts up, uh, possibly be for ages or maybe even be traded soon. Uh, this is a team that might not see a lot of success for uh, for a while. Look, I said this at the time. When the Royals had their crazy two years, enjoy the moment. I, I know people who weren't even interested in sports. They didn't care so much for baseball. They just suddenly loved it because that's what winning does to a, a, a sports fan base and for a community. Uh, hooks everyone. But gosh, uh, I mean, the way the, the Royals are playing now, I think people are going to return to their normal interest that they once had for this team. And, and it's sad because you want to see the Royals succeed, of course. Uh, the way that they brought the city together uh, during that 2015 parade <laughs> and how special that was. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, things are just not going their way on the field. I mean, Hosmer's not hitting well, especially with players in scoring position. Uh, and again, the pitching after a fantastic start, when the offense does improve a little bit, the pitching is, starts to struggle. So it's been pretty tough to watch these guys, and it, it's pretty hard to point out why they've fallen apart when you have nearly the same guys on your team on offense. Yeah, Morales left, Rios, uh, that's not a major loss. But for the most part, I mean, you've got everyone on your offense still the same, and uh, they're trying to swing for the fence, and they're just not able to do well. Uh, it's just not going well for them. 
I want to talk about Isaiah Thomas for a moment because Charles Barkley made some comment about you know players crying you know in a press conference or in front of the media. Look, man, he lost his 22-year-old sister uh, in a car accident. Uh, missed missed a little bit of time because he had to attend her funeral, but came back and lost his tooth in, in the game one win for the Celtics, but. You know, look, man, when you go through something like that in your life, it's hard to contain. And props to him for coming back. It's not an easy thing. I know it's as weird as it sounds. It's it's not an easy thing to return back to your your job, what you do. But in a weird way, for athletes at least, p- playing the, the sport that they love helps them kind of get through that. Uh, you know, for... for if, for a couple of hours when you're playing basketball or whatever sport it is to just get away from reality for just a couple of hours I, I, I guess that helps players in some way I remember Brett Favre when his father passed away he went out had a fantastic Monday Night Football game against the Raiders uh, that that three hour time span just being on the field kind of helps just to get away from reality from just a moment even when you're dealing with some of the biggest when you're going through some big struggles and uh Gotta give props to him, and I don't. People are criticizing him crying. You know, I'd like to see someone go through the same thing and be able to hold tears back, especially when it's a story and the media wants to know about it. I know it's a personal thing, but it's still a story and it's out there. He's a public figure, so he's going to be asked about it, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it as long as the questions aren't out of line. So, uh, gotta give a lot of credit to Isaiah Thomas. It's not easy to just. Return to your life uh, when you, when you lose someone so close to you, and uh, again in a weird way, playing sports just helps these players kind of move forward because it's what what they love to do, and their loved one who they lost would want them to still be doing that. Time to throw some penalty flags. Okay, this is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And look, if you spend money on something, it's your right to do what you want to do with it. But I see a lot of times people buy a ticket to a sporting event and they leave early. Like, for example, I mean, a couple of times this year, the Royals were tied going into the ninth inning and people started leaving early. And that's just from so far this year. Again, I know the team's bad, but this is I'm talking before the big losing streak. I mean, it, it, like I said, tied going to the ninth and people are leaving early. If you buy a ticket, again, this is, of course, providing that there isn't a major blowout because some teams, some people do leave when it's a one side again, when the, when the game is pretty much decided. And we've seen a couple times where on those impossible comebacks they end up happening but still you get the idea why do you buy a ticket if you're going to leave early i was at ufc kansas city in mid-april and people left before the main event because they wanted to beat the traffic again i mean the main event is the biggest thing on the card it's the only title match at least the one that kansas city had so why would you pay for a ticket go attend this event and not see the biggest outcome of the night I mean, if if a game is pretty competitive and close, I imagine you'd want to stay there to see the 
the final result. But and, and here's another thing I understand. With baseball, at least, it, it, there are a lot of weekday games. So people do have work the following day. If that's the case, don't buy a ticket. I mean, what's the what's the logic in going to a game if you're not going to see the the result, the outcome? I just don't see the logic in that. Again, more power to people. It's their money. They choose what they want to do. But if I'm if I'm spending money on something and it it, it, it requires me to. If it requires a final product, which is a win or a loss, I want to stay there to see a win or a loss if it's a close game. If it's a blowout, yeah, I'm getting the heck out of there. But I just don't see the logic in leaving early. When you spend all that money for parking, tickets, beer, food, and the concessions, especially with how pricey they are, and then you just don't want want to see how it ends. I don't know. Yeah, I think the most fun part about a Royals game, you know, you you, you hear the song, you hear uh, the interview with Joel Goldberg, and then Salvi does his crazy uh, Gatorade splash. So, uh, I don't know. That's just me. But uh, maybe you guys can uh, enlighten me on that. Oh, man, I hate to do this, but I have to. Former Chiefs fullback Tony Richardson misspelled Jets. He was on stage to announce uh, a, a Jets draft pick. And of course, the Jets have their famous J E T S uh, Jets chant. And the Jets, the, the, the team with the easiest to spell, Tony Richardson misspells it. Here it is. For the 79th pick in the 2017 NFL draft, the New York J E T E Jets select. He misspelled Jets. Spelled the J-E-T-E. Oh, come on. I mean, you've got to be able to spell that. You've got to. I love T-Rich. I really do. Did a lot of great things in Kansas City, but you got to be able to spell Jets. And look, who knows? Maybe he was on stage, got nervous. I, I, I feel like, you know, you're at home and you watch word puzzle games like Wheel of Fortune and you... You laugh at the idiot who can't just seem to use proper English to complete the puzzle. When really, I, I feel like I would be that guy who who, who might choke uh, under pressure uh, with cameras and, and people in the audience and all, all, all that stuff. Uh, so, hey, look, uh, I mean, maybe he got nervous. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> this is Farzee Masugin here on the Chiefs on Podcast. Thank you, guys. For downloading and listening to this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. There will not be another podcast the rest of the week. In fact, the next time we do a podcast will likely be 10 days from now. We'll talk about how things are going with some of the new guys on the team. Maybe some undrafted guys that are worth talking about uh, when we next get the chance to talk about it. So uh, sometime middle of second week of May, uh, the 10th. Or the 11th. Uh, expect a new podcast sometime around there. I'll be out of town this week, but uh, we'll be back next week and uh, we'll do another podcast. As always, be sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Give my Facebook page a like, far- uh, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, and follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Email me, Farzine at Farzine and you can also go on my website, FarzineVesugian.com. If you're an MMA fan, be sure you check out my MMA podcast, The Cage Zone. Another podcast uh, or a new episode of that podcast is available on May 1st, also the same time as this podcast. So be sure you guys check that out as well if you're an MMA fan. I'm Farzim Vesugian. I'll talk to you guys in a week and a half. Until then, take care.
And let's hope that these draft picks can make an impact for the Chiefs this year and beyond.